Hello, animal lovers. Welcome to my podcast, where I geek out about animals. I'm Nicole, and you are listening to Animal Facts. This podcast may not be suitable for all listening ears, specifically young ones. And I just want to remind everyone that I am not a professional, just an animal enthusiast, because I just love learning about them. I think they're so cool, and they can do so many cool things. Some things I say may just be my opinion, and sometimes I am misinformed, or sometimes I am just straight up wrong. So forgive me, I am only human after all. But please email me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so I can correct myself and I also have the chance to learn from you. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy! Welcome animal lovers to the Animal Facts Podcast. I'm Nicole and my guest again this week, because she loves me so much, is (laughs) Monica. My mother-in-law! My supportive family is great. I have a very supportive family. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, speaking of loving me, um, your personal question this week is, what is one of your memories of me slash how did we meet? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, The first time I remember, well, I think there's a... Right? (laughs) I think there's a picture or there's a something or I heard that you and Josh when you were babies, but I don't remember that, so... Yeah, I remember remember you guys being like, you would have known each other as babies. Right. But what I remember you the first time is when you were, oh, probably uh, 12. Mm Mm-hmm. And I did a baby babysitting class. It was my very first one. (laughs) My very first activity. And I was teaching this babysitting class or the baby, like I did the- It was babysitting 101. Yep. Is what it was. And I had Charlie as a baby Mm -hmm. and you guys were learning how to change diapers. Yep. So that was the first time. Yep. I got lucked out that I didn't actually have to change any <laughs> dirty diaper. I just had to change a clean diaper. Yep. <laughs> and then the next time was in high school. When mm-hmm. You guys were freshmen. Yep. You and Josh were freshmen. Yep. You had buzzed hair then. Because I remember the first time I you had really long hair. Did. And then you had buzzed hair. And you were snow white for Christ- or Halloween right. for Christmas. For Halloween. You were snow white for Christmas. Because I had cancer. Yep. So I had... My hair was growing back, actually. Yes, so, yes, yeah. you did. <laughs> yeah, but it looked like buzzed hair. Yep. It did. It did. Yep. Yeah. And it was super soft, like duck butt fur. Chemo hair it. is so yep. soft. Mm-hmm. So crazy how soft it is. Literally baby hair. Yep. It is. Baby hair is Brand so soft. Hair. It's crazy. Yep. Now yep. I have long hair again. Yep. You've had long hair a few times since then. Yeah. Because you've chopped it off before. <laughs> I'm going to chop it off again next week. Ooh, how short. Are you, like, working on just getting rid of the blonde, or are you going to keep it blonde, too? I don't know. Yeah. Fair. Well, the grow out of it is looking great, though. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It's high maintenance. Yes, it is. That's how I feel about my pink hair. It's too high maintenance, and I'm like, I'll just make it so it, like, naturally grows out with my roots, because I don't want to have to deal with the roots. Yep. Yeah. It's not your natural color. It's just difficult to keep up. Yep. But, cool. Short hair's fun. That'd be cute. Thanks. Yeah. But those are also my first memories of you was babysitting, yeah. which you reminded me of. Because if you never remembered that, I definitely wouldn't have remembered it. <laughs> but then when you did, I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. So I do remember you. And then, yes, Josh and me hanging out freshman year at a football game. Mm-hmm. And you were Snow White. And Charlie was a Ninja Turtle. That's right. <laughs> he was a little Ninja Turtle. Uh-huh. He was three. Three yeah. or four. So. Yeah. And then... 
And I think the one after that was Josh's birthday party, mm-hmm. which would have made sense because it was only a couple weeks after Halloween. Yes, that's true. So, but yeah. And I've just known you ever since. Yep. <laughs> since 2008. Yep. Minus, I guess, plus whenever we met when I was 12. Yeah. However many years ago that was. I don't know. That's not quick math. <laughs> well, I could do it, but. I'm 28. <laughs> it's 16. 16? Mm-hmm. I was going to guess 14. 16 <laughs> years ago. 16 years ago. So there we go. We've known you since 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. Known you longer than I've known Josh. Mm-hmm. I've known Charlie since longer than I've known Charlie. Yep. He was a baby. He was a baby. All right. You ready for your trivia? Okay. It is It is a mammal. Yes. Okay. It is a mammal. Okay. And it does have an A in it. And your first official clue is that as a pet, only 10 to 15% of it will stay in its original home, like the home it starts out in. So it gets okay. moved a lot as a pet. And it's a mammal? It is a mammal. So it's okay. a mammal that people start out with, and then they're like, not the right animal for me. It's not the right pet. So then they pass uh, on. Okay. I was thinking, like, uh, like a hermit crab or a turtle where they, you know, like, mm, live in a different oh, space. But that I get, would have been a tricky question. But yeah. those are not mammals also. No, they're so. not. That would have been smart, um, though. Very but tricky. People but people get it's them, more... and then they give them away. Yep. Because they realize it's not the right pet for them. Uh, ferret. Good guess, but no. Okay. <laughs> um, the social group, so like when there's a bunch of them together, mm-hmm. the group that it's called is a troop. A troop? That's mm-hmm. cute. It is cute. Uh, there's a lot of cute things about this animal. I have no idea. A skunk. <laughs> that would have been so great. A troop of skunks. Also would have made sense for people to read. Like, like, skunk's not the right pet. I always right. wanted a pet skunk. I thought it would have been so cool. I think skunks are cute. It's not they a skunk. They are cute, but... This not, doesn't have an A in it. Never wanted a... That's true. I forgot about the A part. It's okay. I also forgot about the A. <laughs> okay. Okay, go. <laughs> and your last one is... This is the reason I saved this one for last. Just in case you recognize or know. Um, some people call it La Llorona, which means crying woman in Spanish. Huh. I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, Valerona. La I guess it would be more scary though if it's a crying woman in Spanish. I, yeah, I have no idea. Fair. You ready? Okay. Drum roll. <laughs> okay. It's the kinkajou. The kinkajou. The kinkajou. Kinkajou. <laughs> okay. I've kinkajou. Never heard of kinkajou. Okay. Um, what is a kinkajou? <laughs> have you seen or heard of Vivo on Netflix? Uh, no. Oh, it's got like Lynn Manuel Miranda does like the music and everything. Okay, cool. I figured you would have because I think Lila's seen it. <laughs> Vivo? Vivo? No. Oh. Well, then never mind. Okay. That's why I wasn't sure if you would know some of these things. Not that they actually talk a whole lot about kinkajous in the movie, but it's got a kinkajou in it. I think right. It's like about a kinkajou. I'm going to have to check it out. I know, now I also have to watch it. But I also have to watch it because of Blue Nightmare Miranda and Josh is obsessed with it. Yep. Anyways, okay. So, some general information about the kinkajou. I'll show you a picture so you know what this animal looks like. Okay. Because it's cute. Kinkajou. If you guys hear my baby crying. I apologize. Yeah, 
Yeah, they're super cute. He looks cute. familiar. Yeah. The little curly tail. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a kinkajou. They're super cute. Wait, pause for a minute. Oh, Ezra, he woke up from his nap. Yes. <laughs> that makes so much more sense. Like, why is he in his room? Because <laughs> he oh, just woke there up he from goes. his nap. Daddy got him. We're good. Uh, that's funny. He slept good, though. Yeah. Plus three. Pretty good nap. All right. So some general info about the kinkajou is that most of them were most... I don't know pockets I thought I was wearing a hoodie, but I had a pocket in the center, but I don't. So I just, like, rubbed my phone against my stomach. Okay. Um, most of the facts that we know about them are the studies that have been done in captivity, because they're really hard to study in the wild, because okay. they're just really good at hiding. Um, they are part of the science word, Procyondae family, which also includes the raccoons and on. Olingos, which is another cute looking okay. lemur thing. Yeah. Um, and the scientific name of the kinkajou is Potos. Potos? Yeah. Flavus. Which sounds almost like a rapper name, like Flavus. Flavus, Flav, you know? <laughs> Flavus. Call me little Flavus. You know? Rapper. Yep. So a kinkajou would probably be a rapper. Just makes nice. sense. <laughs> um, and the genus name Potos. Uh, oh, so. Potos comes from the genus name, um, which kinkajous are the only living member of, um, and they don't really know what the origin of potos is. Okay. And then flavus means yellow or blonde in Latin, which <laughs> just, flavus just makes me think of flavor. Yeah. <laughs> so yellow or blonde, yellow I'm like, or huh. blonde. Yep. Okay. Um, and they're known as golden drinkers because of their coloring and okay. they drink nectar and stuff. Um, they look like they belong to, like, a primate family, and they have a uh, prehensile tail, which are, like, tails like monkeys, where they can, like, grip things and okay. hold themselves up with it. Yep. And they have hand-like feet, and because of these things, they were regularly mistaken as a primate or a lemur, but they're actually in the same order as dogs, cats, and bears. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're more related to them than they are to <laughs> lemurs. And and they look primates. more like a lemur. Right? That, but, and huh. like a monkey. But they're yeah. actually like the carnivore genus instead. So. Cool. Interesting little thing there. Cool. Um, the word kinkajou is a native... Oh, I'm sorry if I'm going to mispronounce your people's name. Um, a languoquin? Languoquin? Languoquin. <laughs> Lingo, languiquin. Algonquin. Algonquin? Yes. Algonquin. <laughs> See, words are struggles. I don't know. I'm Algonquin. Very, very deep. Algonquin. That sounds fun to say now. Mm -hmm. Algonquin. Algonquin. Sounds like a battle word now. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, it is the native word for that. Uh, for Wolverine and the Algonquin people lived in North America. But then the French took the word and adapted it to its current use. Okay. So now it's kinkajou for that. Even though they're not even in North America. Um, the kinkajou, I don't know. <laughs> the kinkajou is also known as the night ape, the night walker, and honey bear. And their call is so the loud. Honey bear. The honey bear. Their call is so loud, that is why they call it La Llorona. Um, okay. Which is why it means crying woman in Spanish. Okay. Because 
they can make really loud sounds and scare people. So yeah, for those who did not see cute pictures of the kinkajou like Monica has, their appearance is they have a long body and rounded, like a rounded head with cute little rounded ears. Um, They have a short muzzle, slightly webbed feet, sharp claws, and very distinctive fingers on their hands. They pretty much look like a monkey slash lemur, but they're like golden colored. So that's what they look like. They're really cute, but they're actually related to dogs. <laughs> raccoons. They're related to raccoons. Okay. Um, and then their body can be about 16 to 22 inches long, and then their tail adds another 15 to 22 inches, which makes their tail basically the same length as their head and body combined. Wow. Yeah, so their tail literally doubles their length. Um, and they are very lightweight. They only weigh 3 to 10 pounds. Wow. So they're really small. Yeah. They're really cute, though. And I just want them to, like, wrap around my arm, but mm-hmm. also not. Um, <laughs> they have a few differences in their appearance and size between males and females, but not too many. Um, and then their prehensile tail, which is just means, like, it's capable of gripping or um, grasping. Mm-hmm. It adds, like, basically a extra limb. Yeah. Um, so they can use it to grab things or hold on, like, use it to hold themselves on things while they grab stuff. And it's really strong that they can just hang upside down while eating. Like yeah. a bat. <laughs> um, well, that's probably why they need to be so light, too, because of that tail yeah. just hanging and holding them up. Yeah. Their tail is super strong, and mm-hmm. it has a lot of different functions for balance. It also, they use it as a blanket at night to keep warm. Okay. <laughs> Which is just adorable. <laughs> Because I am, it's just a cute little bushy tail. Yeah. Imagine as like their snuggle blankie that never leaves them. <laughs> I sleep with a snuggle blankie, so. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if it was my tail. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little raggedy. Um, The tongue of the kinkajou is about five inches long. So it's very large to like their body portion size. Yeah. Because they are only like without their tail 16 to 22 inches. And then, like, they have a five-inch long tongue. A third to a quarter of the size of the animal. Quick math. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. So if we had a tongue that was the same proportion, how long would our tongues be? If you take, like, a five-foot person. Mm -hmm. So uh, it it would be, like, either, well, if it's a quarter, you're looking at 15 inches long. Ugh. And if it's a third, it's even a little longer than that. Like 20? Yeah. So like 15 that. to 20 inch yeah. long tongue? Yep. If we had the yep. same portions, like, oh, yeah, gross. <laughs> where, where, that's when we would need a tape measure. To- yeah. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like our tongues are only like, I don't know, two, three inches? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the tongue goes far, pretty that's far true. back there. So. That's true could be but if we could stick our it could entire be like time. five inches long true but we only see like a couple inches of right. it weird okay weird <laughs> 15 to 20 inch long tongues no thanks um they have dense woolly fur which helps them to keep dry against the constant rainfall where they live and they're normally like a goldeny colored or like a brownish color um Sometimes they can be, like, a grayish color or a light shade of yellow. 
And then they have very big round eyes, which are able to reflect light, which gives them, like, this bright orange appearance. Hmm. So that's why they have really pretty eyes, because it's just reflecting light. Okay. Alright, conservation of the kinkajou. And take wild gander. Um, I'll go with the mildly... Mildly. <laughs> I don't remember what the things uh, are. There's like endangered, threatened, near threatened, least concern. Let's go near threatened. Near threatened. They are of least concern. Uh, again, <laughs> I was going to say least concern. I'm like, no, can't be. Again. Mildly concerned, maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, the IUCN has them listed as least concern, even though their numbers appear to be decreasing from habitat loss and overhunting. Um, but, and we'll talk about it later, they have a pretty low, like, slow reproduction rate, which doesn't help their numbers, like, jump up very easily. Okay. But the decline isn't serious enough yet for their conservation status to change yet. Okay. But it could change. Okay. Um, if things continue the way they're going. So, but currently, still least concerned. Plus, they're also really hard to know how many there are in the wild because they're really hard to find and count because they're really good at hiding. Um... So, which we'll talk about that. Okay. They're really good at hiding. So, the history of the kinkajou, I don't have a whole lot of history on them, oddly enough, because, honestly, it's hard to find history on animals. <laughs> um, the kinkajou is considered to be a sister group of its taxonomal family, which just means that it split off about 20 million years ago and evolved separately from the rest of its group, which is a unique and rare thing to happen, mm-hmm. but kind of cool. Um, and there are eight different subspecies of kinkajou that have been proposed based on geographic region. Um, so, okay, that's all I have on their history. Kinkajous. Their environment. Where do they live? Uh, the forest. The forest! <laughs> yes. Very Somewhere much Somewhere with so. trees. <laughs> You're about to hear about all the forests. Okay. Um, they live in tropical rainforests. Evergreen forests, coastal forests, and even dry forests. So yes, oh, the forest. forest. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, they're found in Central and South America, and then their natural territory stretches between Mexico and North, um, in the North, and Brazil or Bolivia in the South. Okay. And then they can be found at altitudes up to eight thousand feet high, but they're usually closer to sea level. Okay. So that is where they are found. South America. Okay. Central South America. I thought they were going to be in Asia, but they're not. But then it also makes sense because yeah. their Spanish word of screaming, crying woman. Yep. Makes more sense, too. But when I first learned about it, I was like, oh, are they like... Because a lemur. I was like, right. Madagascar or somewhere in Asia. But right. No, they're right. not even a lemur. <laughs> right. Of course they're not a lemur. Because uh, they don't want to make anything easy for people. Um... So, their diet and hunting, do you think they are carnivores, omnivores, herbivores, fruitivores? Uh, Not that that's an actual thing, but it'd be Omnivore. Funny. Omnivore. Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> good guess. Okay. Um, they are classified as a carnivore because of their canine teeth, but they are actually omnivores um, because they mostly eat fruit and nectar. So, they don't even eat that much meat. Okay. But they, but they can. Yes, they're capable of it, and they occasionally will, um, but, and they're classified as a carnivore because of their teeth, 
but they're really just omnivores who mostly eat fruit and nectar, and then on the rare occasion they'll eat eggs or hatchlings, insects, small invertebrates like frogs. Um, and then they uh, don't really care what fruit they eat. Whatever is really okay. just available to them. They're just like, oh, look, a fruit. I'll eat that. Oh, look, more fruit. I'll eat that. They don't really care. Okay. As long as it's plentiful, they'll eat it. Not picky. Um, when foraging for fruit, they have a few different ways of obtaining food. Um, so they will also, oh, sorry. When it's not foraging for fruit, <laughs> it has a few other ways of obtaining food. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Um, it'll also raid bee nests because it likes honey. Okay. So that's where it's like the honey, honey bear. bear. Um, it drinks nectar from the flowers. It will hunt small mammals if it needs to. Um, and it uses its, like, really sharp claws to subdue the prey and kill it. And then it uses its five-inch long tongue to be able to slurp out the honey from wow. the hives. And also sometimes, like, in holes of, like, trees or that to get, like, termites or mm. bugs. Okay. So, yep. That's what it eats. That's what I would think with that big long tongue that we eat, like termites and stuff. Mm -hmm. Bugs that are hard to get to. Yeah, so they'll use their tongue for that. I'm sure they eat the bees as they're getting the honey, too. I don't know how they protect themselves from bee yeah, stings. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> they got thick fur. Maybe that. I don't know. Um, so their predators. You want to guess what's, what attacks them in the um, wild? In Central and South America. Uh... Mm -hmm. Some kind of big cat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bears? Uh, no, I don't know if there's bears, but... I don't think so. Okay. Is it some it's kind of big my cat? List, but it could be, or, maybe. Or... Uh, I don't know. So, <laughs> big cat. You're not wrong. Um, they don't have too many natural predators in the wild because they live in the trees most of the time. So, like, okay. a lot of animals are more on the ground. Um, like the animals that are big enough to eat them. Mm -hmm. So, because of where they live, it's harder for other predators to get a hold of them. So, their biggest thing are other predators that can fly or climb, such as harpy eagles are one of their bigger ones. Mm, and, um, something eagles. called the black and chestnut eagle. So, basically... Okay. A big birds bird. Of, yep. Big birds Carnivorous of Carnivorous bird. Mm-hmm. And then, as far as big cats, the jaguars are their threat, because jaguars are good at climbing. And then boas as well. So big snakes. Uh, snakes. Mm-hmm. So those are their I main things. about the snakes. <laughs> you don't like snakes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the main things that get them, because that's what are up, where they're up in the mm -hmm. trees. And then humans, because humans suck. Because humans are always humans. I know. We're always taking taking what we can't get. <laughs> taking yep. more of what we don't need. Yep. Um, so as far as humans go, we do like illegal poaching for their fur, for their meat. Um, we snag them for exotic pets, different things like that. Um, but the biggest thing humans do is deforestation, um, which is their biggest threat because... They need trees. That's where they live. Mm -hmm. And we're losing tree land, like, hundreds of acres a day to, of that. So, um, but yeah, the, as far as avoiding their natural predators, what they do is they just, because they're, they sleep during the day and they're up at night, so they're nocturnal. They, during the day before they go to bed, 
or during night, mm-hmm. before morning, mm-hmm. before they go to sleep, they'll find, like, a hollow in a tree or somewhere, like, a crevice of something, and they'll just hide and sleep in there. Okay. And stay hidden all all day. Um, so then that way nothing can see them. And otherwise so, they get attacked so when they're sleeping. So they need to join up with the tree frog in our Disney movie. There we go. Of the bank robbers. <laughs> yeah. They're really good at climbing. <laughs> they'll get the frogs where they need to go. <laughs> yep. I love it. <laughs> yes. We're going to make a movie about bank robbery. Oh, goodness. It's going to be great. Um, all the things that live in trees that's what i apparently your theme was yes tree living animals animals tree animals and deforestation Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we suck all right what do you think the behavior of the kinkajou is like i think they're social anti-social solitary Um, aggressive i would say family not family i'm gonna go with family families um, they do when they're in a group. It's called a troop. troop. That's right. So the they troop. do hang out in groups. Um, they're a very loud and chattering species. They're often heard, but rarely seen. So they're very shy. Okay. Um, and then they were once thought to be solitary, but then they discovered that they're actually like pretty social for the most part. Um, and they hang out in their small groups called troops, and their troops consist of two males, a dominant one and a subordinate one, and then a female, and then the offspring, and that is, like, their group. Okay. Um, so the offspring come and go, but the two males and the female are usually the ones that are always in the troop. Um, and then as as she has her babies. (laughs) And their, their troop, I don't even know, their, their families are weird. (laughs) Which we'll talk about. Okay. Um, their bond is strengthened when they do playtime and grooming, so they do socialize with playing and grooming. Okay. And then they communicate through hisses, barks, squeaks, and grunts. And the kinkajou um, spends most of its time up in the canopies of trees, so it's, like, hardly ever on the ground, which is why it's so hard to find, um, unless it's down there for food. So that's how it spends its day, is just sleeping in the trees, hunting it, like, looking for food at night. Um, and then they, uh, mark their territory with, they have very many scent glands, um, which I'll also talk about later. Okay. That's how I hook you. I tell you, I'm going to tell you <laughs> some things later. <laughs> um, and their territory is usually large enough just to support, like, the nutritional requirements for their troop. Okay. Um, so they don't have too big of a territory. They don't have a big, like, territory so big that it's not what they don't need. They don't, each troop has their own little territory. Yeah, okay. of what they need for nutritional requirements. Okay. So they'll expand their thing as they have more in their troop, and then they'll get a smaller territory as they need less, you know? Yeah. They're reasonable. They're not greedy, unlike some other things we know. Yes. Um, so it's believed that the uh, role of the subordinate male is to enforce the territorial boundaries of the kinkajous that threaten to trespass in okay. the, the, their territories. Yeah, the guard. Yep, he is the guard. Or the... The... The bouncer? The bouncer, yeah. <laughs> He's the bouncer. <laughs> the subordinate male is the bouncer of uh, this troop. Um, and then the... The bodyguard. Yep, pretty much of this family. And several kinkajous can sometimes be seen foraging together in the same area. 
if there's enough fruit to share. Um, otherwise, they kind of just hang out alone, but in their, like, space together. Does okay. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, they're usually pretty docile, um, and they can be pretty easygoing around people. Unless they get disturbed or agitated, then they will lash out and they can cause some serious damage. Which I'll also talk about later of if the kink Jew is the right pet for you, as okay. we have learned that a lot of people think it is and then realize it's not. Yeah. So. I don't even know where you would find one, where you would get one. It is an exotic animal. Okay. <laughs> so, through, a, through that, yeah. maybe okay. some sketchy places yeah. or, you know, some reliable sources too. You know, just write permits and things. Um, so their life cycle, the babies, and, um, some other interesting things about the kinkajou's life cycle. So, they are in a little troop, but their troop is not a family. Okay. Um, they are considered to be polygamous. They are not, like, uh, the male and the female are the only ones that ever mate together. Yeah. The female can only mate with the males in her troop. The male, the dominant male, not the subordinate male, can mate with any female he desires and can. Because <laughs> he's From a tool. any troop? If, or... if he can get into a different troop. Okay. If he can, then okay. yeah. But it doesn't happen very often. So it's usually, like, to a female that's not in a troop. Um, but is, like, somewhere in the area. Mm-hmm. She doesn't belong to another man. He can have her. Um, which sounds really bad. But they're animals, so it's whatever. Um, So the dominant male will choose to either mate with the female in this area or any other of the females in, like, like, nearby territories, as long as she doesn't belong to a specific troop. Um, Unless he can get into the troop, then sure. And then the subordinate male has no guarantee of mating rights, but is sometimes allowed to (laughs) hook up with the female in the troop. (laughs) Sometimes. Okay. But it's not always guaranteed. <laughs> so it just depends on the dominance male's willingness to allow it, I guess. I don't know. Okay. It's a, it's a weird... See, they're not a family. They're a yeah. weird, like, weird, weird group. Yep. Um, and then the kinkajou can breed all year round, so they don't have a specific breeding season. However, they do notice that they have more spikes in their breeding as well, like, when it's in correlation with the availability of food in their area. So the more fruit in the area, the more likely they are to breed. Um, And then the females are in heat for about 17 days anytime they go into heat. And then the males will spend several hours a day following the female that is in heat. And then eventually, if it's allowed, great. They do their thing. Um, And do you want to guess how long they're pregnant for? Um... What their gestation period is? Three months. Close. Not bad. It's actually, like, for their size, it is a very long period because they're so small. Mm -hmm. Um, But their gestation period is about 120 days, which is about four months. Um, Okay. And she only gives birth to one baby on a very, very rare occasion. She'll have two, but most of the time it's just one. Um, And they're about six ounces each. And she'll have her baby in a tree hollow, and that's where she'll leave it anytime she has to go get food, because the males don't help her. She's on her oh, own. own. She's all on her own. Uh-huh. See, I told you, the males are kind of douchey. 
They just yeah. keep the girls around for what they want, and then yep. and then don't help. Yeah, don't help at all. Cool. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of douchey. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're not. They don't respect her very much. Yeah. The so yeah, she's the main caregiver and is fully responsible for the baby. Um, in captivity, they have known like they have observed the father will sometimes interact with the babies, but. He doesn't ever provide for it. He'll just sometimes, like, play with it or groom with it. Like, okay. Groom it. But he doesn't ever, like, bring it food or bring the mom food or anything like that. Okay. Um, or take it anywhere, so. And then after about one to two weeks, the baby's eyes will open and the mom will nurse it for, like, the first eight weeks and start to wean it. And then by the time it's eight weeks old, it can start eating solid foods. And it can also hang by its tail by the time it's eight weeks old, which okay. is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and it's able to start climbing with confidence at about three months old. And then the young males stay with their moms until they're about 18 months old. And then the females will stay until they're about two years old. Um, okay. But by the time they it's... They stay for a long time. Yeah, they stay for a decent amount of time. They are pretty independent by the time they're four months old as far as, like, getting their own food and climbing around. But they still hang out. With their mom mm-hmm. for a couple of years. She just keeps taking care of them and keeps having more babies. <laughs> so crazy. Um, however, their juvenile period, they aren't always the most successful with getting to adulthood. Okay. Um, but if it survives its juvenile period, they are fully sexually mature about 18 to 20 months after birth. So roughly when they leave their troop is when yep. they're able to have their own not family families. Right. Um, and then they, uh, not, they're not really sure how long Kikajus can survive in the wild. They haven't been able to successfully, like, been like, in the wild, they live for this many years, but they know how long they live in the captivity. So do you want to guess how long they live in captivity? Ten years. More. Twenty years. Yes. Okay. So they averagely live to be about twenty. Long time. But the longest kinkajou that's been recorded, its lifespan was about 40 years. Wow. Right? So I don't know, like, wow, what so that kinkajou did to right. live to 40. But, so I bet when they're in the wild, they probably live way longer than captivity. Way longer or way less. Just depends on situations. Yeah, I guess it depends on situations. Because sometimes yeah. captivity, they're able to live longer. Because they don't have predators or things. But then they also are contained in certain areas. So. Right. It just depends on the species. So, but, wow, who really 40 knows? years. Right? It's the longest time. it's ever lived. It's 40. But normally they live 20. So, I don't know how it doubled its lifespan. <laughs> What's your secret? Because I don't want it. I don't want to live to be 160. Yeah. Because I'm apparently li- planning to live to 80, I guess. I <laughs> Based on that math. Yeah. Um, all right. So, we're already to the cool weird facts. There's not as much on the kinky juice as the other ones. That's okay. okay. Um, they have a very flexible spine. And to give you an idea, humans, our spine, it has a few different... You probably know about spines because mm-hmm. you're a massage therapist. Um, there's a few different bits to it. So the thoracic spine. Thoracic. Um, thoracic. Yeah. Yep. C's and... <laughs> Are C's supposed to be S sounds or K sounds? I never know. Yeah, thoracic sounds also like a dinosaur. Thoracic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the thoracic spine. The English language sucks. It really does. Mm-hmm. It really does. 
Um, it consists of 12 vertebrae in your upper and middle back, okay. and is it's designed to rotate about 40 degrees in each direction. And then um, under compression, the lumbar spine, the lower part, yeah. um, can can only rotate no more than 12 degrees if it's under compression. So we have like a decent like range, but not like crazy range, right? Mm-hmm. So the kink Jew is capable of moving and rotating its spine between its um, pelvis and head. It can rotate 180 degrees. Whoa. What? Right? <laughs> so I told Josh this fact when I first All discovered right. it, and he was just like, okay. Like, Do you not understand how impressive that is? He's like, we can rotate pretty far. And I was like, no. No. <laughs> No, we, no we, can't. Can't. <laughs> we can't. We can't. Our spines can't do that. He was wow. not impressed. Mm-hmm. And I'm impressed that he was not impressed. <laughs> but yeah, so they can rotate their spines wow. 180 degrees between their they pelvis can see and head. What's behind them. Exactly. Like, they literally can just like mannequin turn yep. like their whole bodies. Um, and then along with that, they have the ability to turn their feet in the opposite direction and run backwards. What? <laughs> so they can go up and down trees head first. Wow. Right? They literally can just turn their top half backwards and their feet backwards. Weird. That's weird. Right? Yeah. Their only thing that's staying stationary is, like, their, their butts. Hips, yeah. And But their feet can rotate. And they're... <laughs> that's super weird. <laughs> they're crazy. They're crazy. So um, I thought that was insane. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm glad you appreciate how crazy that Because <laughs> someone else in this house did not. Yeah. Josh, you know who you are. <laughs> okay. Um, they are also capable of, like, because of the way they're capable of turning their bodies, um, they're capable of climbing, like, up their own tail. Okay. So, because yeah, they can rotate, yeah, they can rotate the 180, the they can Weird. just, like, grab their own tail and climb their own tail up to where they need to go. Weird. Isn't that crazy? It'd be like hanging by your cool. foot and being able to, like, turn your body backwards and climb your own leg up to yeah. a tree. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know. So ridiculous. I like the muscles that were required to do that, too. Yeah. So crazy. Um, kinkajus are also very important pollinators as they travel from mm-hmm. flower to flower to drink the nectar. The mm-hmm. pollen sticks to their face, so they're able to, like, pass that. And then they're also able to pollinate by pooping out all the seeds from the fruit they oh, eat. Right. So they pollinate by passing seeds along everywhere. So they're right. super important to the ecosystem. And pollination and whatever the other word is of yeah. spreading seeds, you know. Nature's gardeners? Yeah. I don't know. And it's all... Isn't that all pollination, too? Yeah. Okay. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> they are great. Um, All the things. They're just good for plants. Fruit and seeds and things. So, famous ones. Um, they Vivo. Vivo from the Netflix movie is a kinkajou, which I need to watch. Yeah. There's an Instagram of somebody who owns a kinkajou, and the Instagram thing is Stella the Kinkajou, and it's just her owner and her hanging out. There's yeah. a lot of cute pictures. Makes me want one. Um, we'll see if the kinkajou is the right pet for you. 
Um, and then the other one is they can be found in a lot of zoos because they do really well in captivity. And I was looking at some of the zoos they're in, and they're in the Oregon Zoo. Huh. But I was like, wait, what? I've, I have to I have check that out. no memory of kinkajous ever being in yeah. the Oregon Zoo. But I'm guessing it's probably, like, around the primate area because, like, that would be, like, their type of enclosure. Yeah. It'd be a primate-like one. Maybe. But they're not a primate. I don't know. But they're apparently in the Oregon Zoo. Okay. So that's exciting. So now I have to go yeah. and see them and be like, I've seen one in real life. I have a membership, so. Nice. I have to go. I can take you guys. Yes. Um, and then the most important, not most, the most famous one of that area. The bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> The most famous one I was able to find, there we go, other than the Instagram one, was that the San Diego Zoo got them in the 1920s, and <laughs> they, the heirs to their kinkajous, because they, like, have okay. had captive bred ones for a while. Okay. Um, they are ambassadors for the animals. So they like greet people at the entrances and they do like all the shows because they're really... The kinkajous? Mm-hmm. Huh. The kinkajous in the San Diego cool. Zoo. Nice. Because they've had them since the 1920s. Wow. The roaring 20s. Even though they don't... So yeah, those are the famous ones. So, nice. story time. Okay. I'm going to read you this article I found. <clears throat> so, yes. <laughs> story time. In early 2016, a 99-year-old woman in Miami, 99 years old, okay, imagine being 99, uh, woke up to discover a creature curled up on her chest, sleeping. Um, Both she and the intruder, the little creature, were very startled when she woke up, which prompted it to flee and hide in her attic. And then she consulted a family friend, and then they learned that the animal was a kinkajou. And so they were able to get, like, help. Um, and it turned out that the kinkajou that she found was an escaped pet. Okay. And she took it to the vet, and then the local news, like, aired the story about her finding it and taking it to the vet and stuff. And the owner saw that on the news and was so excited because she's oh like, I goodness. finally found my missing pet, which she's had for five years. Wow. Um, and she was glad that it was okay. And the kinkajou's name was Banana, which Cute. is the cutest name. Um, and she was able to get her kinkajou back. But the reason it was able to escape was because it was put into a temporary cage while they were doing maintenance to her other, mm. her normal cage or something. So she escaped and went missing for like a week. And oh. the old lady found her. A 99-year-old woman wow. <laughs> woke up to a kinkajou on her chest. Amazing she didn't have a heart attack. Right? <laughs> So scared. Right. And then took her to the vet, and then Banana was returned to her home. Cute. Yes. And then... Happy ending. Yes, a very happy ending. Um, The other story is, in May of 2020, so more recently, a man in Lake Worth noticed a raccoon-like animal sitting on the fence at his girlfriend's house, so he decided to leave some watermelon out for it, so he did, which then... The animal's like, oh, I like this. I'm going to do this again. So hung out all day and night at that house waiting for more watermelon. Um, And as soon as the man was getting ready to leave, he, like, opened the door to leave. And the animal ran inside and started to scratch and bite his legs when, like, he was trying to get it out of his house. Oh, no. And uh, they were like, what? And they, quote, it was so hungry for more watermelon. It was waiting. As soon as he opened the door, it just, like, bum-rushed him. (laughs) So it was like, give me watermelon! Wow. Um, they were able to trap it in the bathroom until the authorities arrived to take care of it, and then they were able to get it, and they were trying to... 
Like, it took them a few hours to, like, get the kinkajou calmly, but they were able to, like, identify as a kinkajou. Um, but they weren't able to figure out where it belonged because you need a special permit and no one in that area had the right permits. Mm -hmm. So they were like, we don't know who this belongs to, but they were assuming it was also, like, an escaped pet or something, Mm -hmm. so. But probably an illegal escaped pet. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, it ended fine because the animal was fine, so. But yeah, it likes watermelon, so if you see a kinkajou... Leave it watermelon, and if you do it once, you'll have to do whatever. If you give a kinkajou a watermelon, story idea yeah. for the people who write if you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah. That whole series. If you give a kinkajou some watermelon. Yeah. You'll have to do it every day. All right. Lightning round. Okay. Lightning sounds. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I love it. The kinkajou is the only, is one of two species in the carnivora family with a prehensile tail. The other species is unrelated to it, but it is the binturong. Okay. Um, with its dexterous limbs, the kinkajou can leap from branch to branch with very much ease. Basically can rotate in the air. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the scent glands that we talked about earlier are located on in the mouth. On, in the throat, on the abdomen, um, and it's, like, in all these different areas, and that's what it uses to mark its territory and attract mates and also send off other things. Yeah, they have uh, in three areas. Huh. I find it weird that it's in their throat because it's yeah. a scent gland. Do they just, like, like puke? <laughs> like, stomach acid? Like, what? Yeah. And then, like, it's, like, on the sides of their mouth, so they must, like, bite and spit or something. I don't know. And then, like, rub their chest on stuff. I I don't know. They're they're a weird animal. (laughs) But they're so cute. Um, And then they play a very large um, role in dispersing seeds. So they're seed dispersers is the word we were probably looking for earlier. And then pollinators. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. That's the kinkajou. Nice. Is it the right pet for you? Let's find out. Okay. Let's see. What do you think? What's what's your initial guess? Uh, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> you know what? I already know that it's not the right <laughs> So the kinkajou. Uh, first off, my dogs would eat it. Yeah, they would. Although it's super fast, I don't know. And they it climbs, there, so, yeah. and it's got some pretty nasty claws and teeth. Yeah. So you never so know. Probably not. But it would be a chaos. Yeah. 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 It'd be chaos here too. Um, amongst other things. So, the kinkajou is very cute and affectionate, but it is wild. It has not yes. been successfully domesticated. Yeah, there's the, even though it's kind of been attempted. Right that's it's the an kicker. exotic animal. <laughs> yeah. Wild, exotic, not domesticated. But if you really want one, they're not easy to obtain. They can be very pricey. Um, and you have to, you have you probably have to permit. know some people. Or go do a lot of research. But they can cost anywhere from uh, $25 to $3,500. That's expensive. Yeah. yeah. So, a good good chunk. You know. Whole month's worth of mortgage and bills for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's for a captive bred baby, which you would want if you're going to get a kinkajou. Don't get them from the wild. That's no bueno. Leave them there. Um, so only 10 to 15% of kinkajou owners keep, keep them. Mm -hmm. Um, so they only stay in like 10 to 15% of the homes they start out in. Otherwise they get rehomed a lot. Um, 
its natural instinct is to climb on everything, so they need a lot of climbing space, mm-hmm. and people recommend at least, at least, a 10 by 8 by 10 foot cage, um, but ideally they get a bigger space. Okay? Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It's a huge cage. <laughs> it's like twice my height and like one and a half my length. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, like, I don't know. Be a little smaller than the room we're in right now. Mm-hmm. It's basically an entire office. Give them a whole office. Give them a whole room. Um, but yeah, best to give them more space than that anyways, because they're used to, you know, roaming yeah. a whole jungle. Yeah. Um, if they feel threatened or annoyed in any way, they do have a tendency to lash out with their teeth and claws, <laughs> um, which can do some long-term damage. Kinkajus have canines comparable to cats, so their bites can... Ugh be like really bad punctures that can tear through skin muscle and also go into the bone um so they can cause nerve damage yeah they very often (laughs) cause nerve damage not they can but they very often do when they do bite um and also infection so yeah if they bite you it's gonna hurt and it's gonna do some major major harm and then they also have the ability to do like that vice jaw so the like lock jaw um, and cool. latch onto your body if they feel like they need to. So they have a pretty intense bite. Um, wild plus their people, claws. Wild animals. Yes, wild, not domesticated. It's also very hard to find a vet for them since they're an exotic animal, and a lot of vets don't know how to treat kinkajous if a health problem arises. Yeah. Plus, it's just in general hard to find someone to be like, I have an exotic animal. Would you be willing to? It's like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Um, it's illegal in some states, and it requires special permits and licenses, so before you even decide, you have to make sure it's legal first. They are nocturnal, so they want to sleep during the day, which means don't bother them or they'll bite you. Yeah. Um. And then they're up all night. Yep, they're up climbing and eating fruit all night and ignoring you. And, um, they have not been successfully litter trained. Most owners have not found a way to litter train them, so they just go wherever they feel like going. So it would be chaos and messy. Yep. Um, They have very high energy, so they need a lot of exercise. They can be temperamental. They are very particular about who they are around, so they're shy and they're not going to warm up to just everybody you bring into your house. Um, They need routine because you need to be very, like, on routine with them, especially if you are trying to litter train them. Um... And then you won't be doing a whole lot of, like, vacationing because they don't travel well, so you can't take them with you, and they don't handle sitters very well. Yeah. So you can't really leave them with anyone. So kind of have They'd to just, just stuck hang out with them. Or if you have a roommate that they love, ask your roommate to watch them. Um, some owners do claim that they're very playful. They are docile by nature, which makes them a very suitable pet as long as they don't lash out. Um, but that's also, like, the owners that do have them emphasize that is presuming it has the adequate space and other accommodations. So, if you're following all and meeting all their needs and respecting their space, they're going to be a great pet. <laughs> but that's respecting their space and giving them all of their needs. You just give them, like, lot. half of your house and then... <laughs> and throw fruit at them. Yeah. And then see if they'll, like, cuddle you. But yeah. don't. Don't rush them because a lot of the sites I said is like it's not it's not a question of if they'll bite you it's a question of when they bite you it's like oh lovely yes so great yep 
They're uh, exotic wild animals, not domesticated. So, is it the right pet for you? No. <laughs> it's also not the right pet for me. As cute as they are, and seeing the Instagram posts of the guy with it, like, curled around its neck, I'm like, oh, it's so cute. Just, like, hanging out like a little lemur or a monkey on your shoulders. But no. Yeah. No, thank you. I don't no. want nerve damage. And no. Your cuddles are nice, but I'll just cuddle my neck. fluffy dog. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. By an artery. Yeah. <laughs> so. But that is the kinkajou. Cool. There you go. That's all I got. Thanks. You're welcome. Don't be a douchebag like the... <laughs> like they're not family families. <laughs> Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me, animal lovers. And also, thank you to my special guest this week. Please rate, review, and tell all your friends so I can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. I would love to hear from you. Your stories, your experiences, any suggestions you might have. Also, I would love to see any fun, cool art you guys do. You can email them to me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Animal Facts Podcast on Instagram for updates, cool art, and other fun animal-related news. Click the link in the description for the resources, the donation links to saving the different animals we talk about, merchandise, and other fun things. A special thank you to my family for my really fun drum rolls, my best friend Jewel for my awesome music, and to my guests for joining me in my animal passions. Thank you again, animal lovers, for listening and supporting me in my animal discoveries and adventures. And until next time, bye! Alright, your random fact that has nothing to do with kinkajous does have to do with teeth is about a fish that you can find in the Pacific. Call. I mean, I think you can find it in the Pacific because it's called the Pacific wing cod. Okay. Wing cod. Yeah. It has. God. Yeah. It has about five hundred and fifty-five teeth. Wow. <laughs> Lining its two sets of jaws. Because uh, one is not enough. Oh. <laughs> two sets. Ouch. Um. A new study suggests that these fish lose about twenty teeth per day. And every bony surface in their mouth is covered in teeth. Wow. Instead of incisors, molars, and canines, these fish instead have hundreds of sharp, near-microscopic teeth Uh. on their jaws. Um, And their hard palate is also covered in hundreds of tiny dental... stilitics. Okay. Um, And behind one set of jaws lies another set of those jaws. So, they have two jaws... And a ton of teeth, and they regularly... Stalactites. Stalactites. Yes. Sure. Ouch. Yep. Lots I of teeth. I would not want to so run into that Don't fish. get bit by the Pacific cod. No. I would not want to be near that So thing. the theme of this episode is, don't, don't get, get bit. bit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs>